with a track called Sweden Tender Hooligan from the album Louder Than Bombs. This is David Eastall and this is The C86 Show. Hello and welcome to my world. This, as I said, is David Eastall, the C86 show, bringing the finest in indie pop from the golden decade. We always like a special guest, and this week is a very special guest. It is Ivo Salinger from Leibach, everyone's favourite Slovenian band. So expect quality chat, because I'll bring you the interview in four easy-to-digest segments throughout the show. 
alongside the usual award-worthy playlist. And obviously, because we're feeling very biased towards Leibach, I thought we should start with their classic, your classic, everyone's classic. Yes, this is life is life. Schmerz 
future is the memory of the past Who's the gain of the power we gave on the past And everyone lost everything and perished with the rest Just that is musical perfection. Liebark and the track called Life is Life. And I, um, yes, I think there was a band in the 80s who originally did it called Opus, but not as good as them. Anyway, this is David Eastall, the C86 show. As you can tell, I'm slightly hyperventilating with excitement because, um, yes, I caught up with one of the members of Liebark, Evo Salagoa, a few weeks ago to find out more about the band and also about their new album that's come out and tour, which is happening at this very minute, because they're going to be in London at the end of the month. But to keep it uh, rolling, and I've got four parts of that interview, and I can tell they're really getting excited in the background. Let's just steady it, boys. I thought we should play some from their recent album that came out in 2015. This is The Whistleblower. I know, excitement guaranteed. Rolling along to the beat 
talk about race to the forts and limits are set in the pace. Story's true and I'm here to say, cause I was driving at Model A. It's got a Lincoln motor that's really souped up. Model A body is look like a pup. It's got exilias and eases them all. It's got overdrive, it just won't stop. With a four-barrel car, but a dual exhaust. Before 11 years, you can really get lost. Got safety tubes, but I ain't scared. The brakes are good, the tires fail. Late one night, the moon and the stars were shining bright We were driving up, grapevine hill, passing cars like they were standing still Now all of a sudden, the wink of an eye, Cadillac sedan passed us by And said, boys, it's a mark for me, by then the tail, that was all you could see And the fellas were winning for being behind So I thought I'd make the Lincoln and watch Took my foot off the gas and man alive And I shoved it on down into overdrive chart band sounds that's jane bond and the undercover men and the track called hot rod lincoln and that came from their album politically correct and that was a track originally done by commander cody i know we all loved him didn't we and before that we had live arc and the track called the whistleblower and that came from their 2015 album spectra yes this is david eastall the c86 show still keeping it real as always um we do like a special guest and this week i caught up with evo saliga from live arc so i'll be bringing that interview right after this next song and um i will we always like your messages so if you want to contact me you can via facebook or twitter just go to at c86 show and i'll be there anyway this is jesus christ superstar
Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. 
There you have it. They, that is um, obviously Jesus Christ Superstar. That came from the album, which was also titled that, Liebach There in All Their Glory. This is David Eastall, the C86 show. And as I said, I caught up with one of the members of Liebach, Evo Saliger. So I'm going to bring you the first part of that interview. And this is where I ask him how their year is going, because they have a lot on at the moment, including album and tour. Anyway, take it away. So far, I think it's, uh, it all goes pretty, pretty well. We are in the middle of rehearsals. We are doing a, um, a dress, uh, an open dress rehearsal on uh, on the 29th of uh, October in uh, in our hometown in Tervolia, which is kind of traditional thing that we always do when when we prepare a new material. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a, a party on top of the mountain, and then we go on tour. And then you go. Because actually the first time, and I'm sure a lot of English journalists and presenters have said that the first time they came across Leibach was with John Peel on the John Peel show, because obviously you go back to the 80s and you did one session and he used to play quite a lot of his, um, a lot of your work on his show. Yeah, so we, we actually did two sessions with uh, John Peel. That's with John Peel. And it's interesting because the, the, form, uh, the lineup of the band has changed quite a bit, hasn't it, since those early years? Well, you know, it's kind of principle of uh, of the band that uh, we do have a, a license to basically get in uh, new collaborators new members um, in that respect we are quite quite an open uh, formation and uh, that's what we do since since the very beginning there was uh, really lots of uh, lots of uh, members and collaborators working with us and they still do. Yes, because it's quite unusual, because one thing I've noticed doing this show is that most bands have a sort of a five-year narrative where they get together, they vaguely like each other, they make a sound, they do the single, the album, the tour, and then the tricky second album comes up, and um, that's often the thing that kills them. But obviously, with a few bands, you being one and the other band being actually Napalm Death, bizarrely, um, you manage to sort of keep going, but with different lineups as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's it usually you know it, the the way it usually works is that let's say that the core of the of the band is pretty much the same, and uh, as as new members are entering, they you know they take over certain role obviously, and um, and um, um, and then they are they are becoming the part of the core, and then you know another new members. More new members are entering. Some stay, some goes, and so on. That's that's pretty much it. But the the core of the band uh, is actually pr- pretty much the same still, uh, including the, the the founding members. Absolutely. And we and we do some shows, some really uh, <clears throat> let's say uh, very uh, very selected shows, uh, even with the you know even with the very first members. It depends, right? Yeah, you know, that's that's what that's how the show was in, uh, let's say, in uh, 2012 in uh, in the Tate Modern part of the show was uh, with the uh, you know with the very uh, founding original formation from 1982, and then the second part of the show was uh, with the new members. Uh, right, because because the album you brought out two years ago, Spectre, it's kind of you know it's basically the same system as with. Uh, with uh, what's what would be the principle like with the folk music, which goes from 
you know, folk art which goes from generation to generation. Right. If if you know what I mean. Absolutely, absolutely. Because 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 it was quite interesting. Because the sound on your new album is very different. Well, I think it's quite different to the album that came out in two thousand and fifteen. You came out. Yeah, but if you go but if you go back to to eighties, um, for instance, we did similar stuff at the very beginning of uh, of Leibach, and then we did something similar with Macbeth, which was you know nineteen eighty seven, uh, eighty eight. Uh, and we did something similar with uh, even maybe with Capital in 1992. So this constant, you know, going back and forth really, and uh, and it is uh, one of the let's say uh, expressions or faces of of uh, of multi-faced Leibach. Uh, absolutely, and um, who would disagree with that? Anyway, that was my first part of the interview with Ivo Saliger from Leibach. I've got another three parts of that interview, and they all are as gripping as that, because let's face it, we all love a bit of Leibach. But uh, before I play the second part of the interview, I think we should go back to their back catalogue. This is Transmit Leibach, and I think you're going to love it. Yeah. Das 
your day just that little bit better i would be amazed there you go that's liebark and the track called transmit liebark and again this is david easter on the c86 show if you'd like to contact me we always love your messages you can via facebook or twitter just go to at c86 and i'll be there always happy to receive anything well you know love friendship and all that kind of groovy stuff anyway my second part of the interview and this is um with evo saliger from the band where we talk about their tour of North Korea, which obviously is going to be quite interesting, and also their life with the sound of music. This is the second part. Take it away. We did uh, two shows, actually, one two. one and a half show, something like that. And what was your sort of <clears throat> impression of that um, experience of doing those two dates? It's fantastic. It's like, you know, it's just incredible. I mean, I, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, when you had the idea to do it, did you sort of feel, yes, this is a good idea, but it's never going to happen? And and sort of when it did happen, was it? Sort yeah, of... yeah. Well, yeah, we had that feeling. <clears throat> we we had that feeling ourselves, but we had uh, we had this guy uh, who who was you know originally a, a Leibach uh, fan, Morten Travik, uh, a Swedish Norwegian, actually Norwegian. Um, artist, director, media artist, and so on, who who already did several shows before in North Korea actions, you know, kind of artistic actions. And being a big Leibach fan, he it was his idea really to to you know to do the show in uh, North Korea. And uh, we said yes, y- y- you know, if you can if you can organize everything fine, let's let's go and let's do it. And he he did it. And did you and did you find the, the 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 audience knew your work at all, or did they sort of have to do some research before sort of they came to see you? No, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't know absolutely anything. I mean, they, they didn't have a clue. They are not, you know, listening that kind of music. And uh, we were basically presented as something which is, you know, coming from Europe, something modern, whatever. 
and the audience was uh, a kind of mixture of uh, of people from uh, music schools and art schools and things like that, you know, the, the Philharmonic orchestras and so on, plus some diplomatic uh, personnel. Um, and, you know, it wasn't something that they would know absolutely nothing about us. Because I can remember sort of listening to various bands in the 60s who started sort of doing their sort of LSD kind of tours around America, going to sort of towns that had never sort of come across psychedelic music or drugs particularly, and sort of realising that they had a huge influence that they would go and sort of play to these kids who sort of looked a bit sort of surprised and freaked out. And then back, to, you know, a year later coming back and everyone had grown their hair and and had sort of got into the sort of 60s kind of gr- <laughs> groove. <laughs> That's, I, um, I don't think that 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 uh, that will happen in uh, in uh, North Korea. I mean, you know, in reality, North Korea is a perfect uh, perfect audience for uh, for live and perfect uh, stage. So, you know, we don't need to change anything really. Because obviously, you would sort of this was during your sound of music phase. So, going from the sound of music to Nietzsche is quite a leap, isn't it? Well. We really decided to do Sound of Music because of North Korea. Because, um, you know, we did some research and we knew that uh, Sound of Music is one of the rare uh, music that they actually knew from, from you know, from the Western Hemisphere and uh, from the Western pop, pop culture. Um, and uh, because they were, you know, there's, it's a film that they are allowed to watch and uh, and I know that they you know they know music also uh, because they were learning uh, their English with the help of this film uh, which is quite incredible <laughs> but and that's why we decided to to you know to to do some uh, songs to take some songs from sound of music uh, so that we could communicate with them a little bit easier uh, to a certain extent. So that's basically the idea. I mean, we always wanted to do something with Sound of Music because we are big fans of the, of the film. And this was a perfect, uh, perfect or really opportunity. Did you feel like you sort of did it justice as well? Did you feel pride of the piece? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, the, the audience in North Korea, they don't really show any any uh, special appreciation. I mean, they do stand up and clap, but they, you know, nobody was, uh, I mean, they were, I think it was much better that it was quite a good decision that we actually performed some of these songs. Maybe they recognized them. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that was the, the idea. And also, sorry, and also I think that, uh, that uh, Sound of Music, the material from Sound of Music, the content, is actually, in a way, very, very suitable for a, a North Korean situation. There you go. I hope you're paying attention because at the end of the show, I will be testing you to make sure you were paying attention to all these bits of the interview. Anyway, that was my second part of the interview with Limark Bark member Evo Saliger. I will have got another two bits to go, but to keep the party rolling, and we do love to keep it going here at Future Radio, this is the final countdown.
to like yes Leibach in all their glory that is the final countdown now my third part of the interview 
with Evo Seliger from the band. And this is where we talk about their new album that's just come out. Well, you know, the the main reason that we did uh, Nietzsche and um, the Also Sprach Zaratustra material is really because we were basically invited by um, uh, a Slovenian uh, theatre director uh, to do music for the for the theatre play that he was um, uh, directing. Uh, uh, this was really the the, the main reason that uh, and after after we did it, we realized that you know that it's a kind of interesting material that we could expand into the proper album, which we did in the end. Yes. So that's that's it, and yeah, of course, I mean the the you know the whole. Nietzsche's uh, book, uh, Zaratustra, uh, uh, the Zaratustra teachings and etc., uh, etc., et is, uh, you know, it's, of course, it's very poetic, but it's, uh, it's, I think it's still very relevant because it's a kind of Bible or anti-Bible, if you, if you want. Um, and of course, it, it does... Uh, deal with pretty much, you know, relevant issues of the uh, the essence of man and you know the God and whatever, you know, Absolutely. everlasting issues, really, basically. Because you do, you know, there seems to be these these kind of themes of sort of um, salvation and and religion that sort of runs through quite a lot of your work, from the epic kind of life is life to the the amazing Jesus Christ superstar. So obviously that that sort of sense of sort of the big themes and the sort of theatrical pieces are often something that you obviously are very drawn to. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ was really much more about the um, the musical genre, the aesthetics of of uh, musicals, which we always, you know, liked to a certain extent, and we did parallels between musical genres and uh, and uh, heavy metal music, which is kind of very similar in in our opinion. Yes. And also, uh, but yeah, of course. I mean, you you can't, you know, who can avoid questions of, you know, God? It's, it's impossible. It's too much of that around all the time. And, yeah. you know. and I mean, one question I often ask people as they sort of progressing through their life in music is, what would they kind of say to their kind of eighteen-year-old self starting out in music? I am personally, and also I can, I think I can speak for the the whole band i think that we are pretty much doing what we what we intended to do and what we were planning to do and what we wanted to do so uh and of course we are still very much intrigued by by music and i have to say not only music but you know general culture and politics and everything that could be co- uh, communicated through music and popular culture and and so on um and um, you know our, our method and uh, principle of work and everything didn't really change much from from early 80s when we started so from that perspective i think we have a good base a good ground and the only thing which we have to do is to to stay curious and uh, you know um, con- continuously uh, producing you know, something that is provocative in terms of language or in terms of uh, content or substance or whatever, you know, how, however you see it. Yes. 
Because the one thing that often trips bands up and musicians that I've spoke to over the years has been sort of the legality of um, both the publishing world and the record label world. So have you managed to sort of navigate your journey through those kind of murky waters successfully? Well, as much as we could. I mean, we didn't really, you know... um, uh, after, of course, we realized the, the trappings of, of the, you know, the business side of the uh, music industry. Of course, we didn't, we didn't even try to, you know, to go too deep in it because it could, it could easily soak us in, uh, in, a, in a kind of ugly way, which we didn't want to. So we keep a certain distance to, to that matter, I, I have to say. And uh, with Mute, um, um, which has been our uh, record company since 1986, uh, that's quite you know an easy way to do because we have a very open relation, and uh, and uh, I have to say that you know it's uh, it's a very easy easy going um, <clears throat> um, situation really with, uh, with between us and Mute. Right. And, um, you know, we're also lucky enough that uh, we are able to produce very different kind of projects uh, from, you know, big symphonic shows to to the, you know, underground shows or whatever you call it. Um, So we are kind of flexible and we also are still uh, uh, working quite a lot within within the art world, which was, you know, a, a basis of our uh, when uh, of our beginning really because we started in galleries with exhibitions and so on so that's you know we still do that also that was my penultimate uh, part of the interview with Ivo Saliger from Leibarg I've got one more bit to go so um Hold on to your seats on that one. Anyway, look, if you want to know any any more about Leibach, they've got a new album that's out. And also they're touring Europe and will, will be in London on the 23rd of November. And that's at the O2 Academy in Islington. So you can go to their website and find out more information. This is David Eastall, the C86 show, bringing you the finest in indie pop. But um, obviously this week we've gone off-road a little bit, but Leibach, one of our favourite bands, and I've noticed that time is running out, which is rather drastic, and so I've had to edit out my penultimate song and go straight to the last bit of the interview where we talk about the fan base of the band. Well, you know, what we're basically constantly doing, we, we make sure that we, did, we are constantly disappointing our fans. So they feel they feel uh, <laughs> they feel lost, and you know they feel that uh, in a way that they are you know that they have missed something somewhere on the way. I don't know. I'm, I'm joking, of course. We are not doing that deliberately, but you know, partly that uh, that's that that is in uh, in a way in our method, and uh, we, you know we are not making life to to our fans much easy. Um, uh, so we uh, an easy life, really. Yes. Well, it's regarding interesting. the, well, it's interesting. You know, we we insist on on if if they are the true fans, so that they really have to suffer with Leibach, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which was quite interesting because it's almost the same kind of almost not word for word. But David Bowie had quite a similar thing. That actually, the minute you try to sort of please your fans, is the minute you you sort of realise that you've lost the plot. Which he obviously realised in the eighties. This is this is one of his uh, slight yeah. kind of moments in his career that he felt that uh, it wasn't going terribly well. So 
in a way, trying to please the fans is probably the worst thing you can do as an artist. Absolutely. Yeah, usually when, when we do a pro, I mean, we've got, you know, we are constantly approached by different people. You should do this and you should do that and so on and blah, blah, blah. Lots of ideas everywhere. Fan, fans, they, they, they have some, you know, they, they have a, an urge to tell us what we should do. Um, so we are getting lots of that kind of, and, you know, sometimes we even think, okay, this is not such a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe we should use it, you know, whatever. But uh, normally when we do things, when we do new projects, um, the usual reaction is, of course, this is completely something that we didn't expect from Leibach, but it's so logical that they did it. Um, you know, and that's, that's what, this is the reaction we normally get with new, yes. with new material, with new works. And, uh, and, you know, there is a certain logic. I mean, after, after all, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, of course you can, if you go into it, you can find a, a pretty, pretty, steady connection between Sound of Music and Altersprache Zaratustra easily, if you want to go into that. The main difference, really, the main difference where people are getting confused is the, the nature of language that we use, the nature of, um, let's say, genre that we, that we concentrate uh, in. But that's, uh, as I said, uh, Altersprache Zaratustra, the reason why we did it as we did it is because it has been written for the uh, theatrical production and we decided to do a more uh, and therefore we had to do really a more ambiental kind of music ambient uh, yes. uh, sounds just simply to fit into the in the, the theatrical production and uh, we decided to stay within that genre basically genre is a language it's uh, it's a language it's it, it depends it depends it very much depends what kind of genre do you, do you actually use for certain certain content and of course that that's beside the context itself that's the most important part and the, the language itself is the context already so it it sounds completely different if you perform you know uh sound of music as we did it in north korea as of course if we would perform it in some i don't know in uh, industrial festival or some which we would love to do of course we always love to to fit in places where we don't belong. <laughs> uh, you know, that's uh, we like conflicts of that kind. You know, we were performing on on folk festivals with you know with our music. We were performing in jazz festivals, experimental festivals, hardcore, bizarre, something I don't know, industrial, something, something, and you know, we almost never fit anywhere. But it's, I think that that's, that really makes sense because the worst thing is to preach uh, to preach what you do to those who are already uh, connoisseurs of, of your work. Yes, so true. Anyway, that was the last part of my interview with uh, Ivo Salica from Leibach. So a big thank you for giving me the time for that. And uh, thank you ever so much for listening. This has been David Esau. This has been the C86 show. And I'm going to leave you with no history. This has been Leibach. Thank you. And stay tuned for next week's show.
You all. 